Hello and welcome to the All Rookie Podcast. Today is May 10th, 2023, and I'm your host, William Harris, aka William is Bill. Great to be back with you on another great episode of the All Rookie Podcast. We have another very special guest today. That's back to back. That's rare for me, but yeah, I got my main man with me, a man of many talents, the host of Sports Ethos Grizzlies. He's a Sports Ethos coordinator all-around guy, and my semi-co-host of Bill and D. Will's fantasy YouTube show, <laughs> Mr. David Williams. How you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Good. I I don't know about the special guests. You're giving me way too much credit, man. You're just here to hang out. Well, you know, I like to build you up, and then I'm going to tear you down. But uh, no. uh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> no, but it's great to have you with me. It's always uh, interesting talking to you, especially about the Grizzlies. You know, you're the host of the Sports Ethos Grizzly Show. You want to tell the viewers about the show for a minute before we get into it? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I, I have a couple co-hosts, Isaac and Candace. Um, Isaac's been with me for a while. Candace came with us uh, middle part, early part of last season, and, and she's been a great asset. But uh, we work together. We cover the Grizzlies, and uh, it's good stuff. It's good, good time to be covering the Grizzlies. You draft a guy like John Moran, he turns into, you know, he had kind of a rough year with, with all of the off off the court crap, but you know, like the NBA and Nike, they were doing a lot to to push him to be kind of a, a face of the league. And hopefully he's able to figure out the the off court stuff because when he's on the floor, he is one of the best players in the league. So that makes it easy for us to get listeners just because people want to know about John Moran. So that's a that's a huge huge plus for us. We we've been grinding, we've been doing it since before John Morant was a grizzly. So, you know, to have somebody that has that, that is getting that type of recognition has really helped the show grow. Uh, you can get it on any, anywhere you find podcasts. It's the uh, Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. You can find the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. Uh, we're, we're actually, we're doing rookie stuff right now. We, uh, during the offseason, my co host Isaac and I were both uh, pretty big draft guys. So we, we get into rookie breakdowns during the offseason. So if you're interested in that, if you're listening to Will's show, then you're obviously interested in the rookies. Um, you know, if, if you want to come over and listen to our stuff and, and you may hear some of the same stuff because Will's going to come on. I always have him on as a guest when we're talking about the draft. Um, I, I got to give you some flowers right now, man. Th- there was a guy last year that you were higher on than anybody else. And the beginning of the year, he didn't, he didn't look that great, but by the end of the year, he was playing well. And that's Jay Lynn, J-Y-L-I-N, Jay Lynn Williams out of Arkansas that went to OKC. Uh, I, I don't remember. I, I feel like you had him inside your top 20. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and then, you know, by the, by the end of the year, you see him getting uh, all rookie team votes. And so, you know, kudos to Will, you know, we, we, we don't all bat a thousand, but you know, when you have a guy that's, there were a lot of people that had him pretty far buried and, and Will liked what he saw and what was brave enough to put him up there and deal with the ridicule of, Oh, I can't believe you got that guy that high. <laughs> you know, when, when you go against the grain, people tend to uh, kind of get ruffled feathers. So th- there you go, man. That, that's all the, uh, that's all the praise you're getting from me. It's all tearing <laughs> you down the rest of the show. Right. Right. But no, I appreciate that. Thank you, David. You know, it, you do. You, I go out on a limb sometimes, but I just yeah, go I mean, you with have to, my, man. You yeah, have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. You never know who's yeah. going to rise up the boards. Um, but speaking of the Grizz, you know, I've been with you doing these shows since y'all drafted Zaire Williams, the big shocker for you guys. And then last year you had David Roddy, Jake LaRavia. Mm-hmm. 
do you feel you should? You got a tough decision. You're going to be picking in the early 20s? 25 is where they're saying right now. Okay. Yep. Now, this is a deep class, but is is there anybody in the 20s you would like, or would you rather trade the pick? You know, y'all can go a number of different directions. So, like, if I'm going to be 100% honest with you here, I know that this is not going to happen, but I don't want to see the Grizzlies make a single pick this year. This team has really – you go back to last year, and I feel like they were – just a fraction away from being a championship team. They played Golden State tougher than anybody else last year, and they were not healthy. Desmond Bain was having back problems. John Morant got hurt in that series, ended up going out. The Warriors go on to win the championship, and then they triple down on youth. They go out and they bring five rookies to the team. You got Vince Williams, LaRavia, Roddy, Kennedy Chandler, and Kenneth Lofton Jr., I like all of those guys. I didn't have a problem with them. Like when I'm doing my draft reviews of players, I'm like, okay, I I like every single guy that they brought to the team, but in the position this team was in, I was like, "Mm, yeah, I don't don't think that that's the move you should have made. Um, But, you know, I'm not climbing. He, He had a plan and he kind of, he admitted as much fault as you will ever hear a GM admit whenever uh, he, he made the comment. I don't know if we should have tripled down on youth or maybe that's not how, how he worded. He said, should we have tripled down on youth? And then he kind of shrugged. And so, you know, he's, it's very rare that you see a front office guy say, okay, I, I think I may have screwed up here. And in the end of season media availability, I kind of felt like that's where Kleiman's going. But so, yeah, I, I hope they don't draft anybody, but if we're looking at 25, there's a number of guys that, that I like. Um, and I'm also not naive. Like th- this front office has operated kind of in the same manner. So I, I feel like they're making the pick. I, I don't think that they're moving it unless they're able to go out and get like a really roster changing player. Um, Chris Murray is a guy that I really like out of Iowa. Uh, you know, get, gives you some size. Uh, I like a lot of the things that he's able to do, but really the Grizzlies need shooting. And so if I'm sitting at 25, the guys that are projected to be on the board around that area, uh, Jordan Hawkins out of UConn, he was a high volume. Like I think he was close to 40%, like 38, 39% on like seven, three point attempts a game for UConn. And then I, I like Jalen Wilson out of Kansas. Uh, Jalen Wilson is a little bit bigger at six, eight. But, you know, like there are a lot of guys in this draft from that 6'6 to 6'10 range. So size on the wing. And if the playoffs tell you anything about the Grizzlies, you have to know that you need spacing because after the all-star break, when they got Luke Kennard, when Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain were on the floor together, the offensive rating was ridiculous. It was like, 131 and the defensive rating did not fall off like the defensive rating it's a very small sample size but the defensive rating was very very good with those guys on the floor even though on paper you wouldn't think that it would be that good but having a backdrop like jaron jackson kind of gives you a luxury of okay i can gamble a little bit on the perimeter because i've got an awesome help defender behind me so I hope that if they do execute the draft picks, if they go after shooting, 
But in all honesty, if they don't pick anybody, I would be super happy. I totally understand that because I think you guys are in win now mode. And a lot of times when you have rookies, they're a year or two away from being true contributors. Like they might come in a spot role here or there, but for the most part on a winning team, you know, like look at Max Christie on the Lakers, very talented. He doesn't get in the game. Um, But I will say the big news for you guys since the playoffs, you know, your early exit, Dylan Brooks was announced he will not return. So that slot would need to be filled. You think it should be filled with LaRavia, Roddy, Zaire, or do you think a draft pick? If you had to choose between that. If I had to choose between that? Jeez, dude. You're putting (laughs) me on the fire. I like, so I still have faith in Zaire Williams. His, his size, his athleticism, the length, he can be the wing defender that you need. I don't think he's that right now. Like D- Dylan Brooks, the, the all defensive teams were announced today. Yeah. Dylan Brooks was second team all defense and he earned it. You you could tell people that don't watch Grizzlies games because as soon as that was announced, they're like, oh my God, Dylan Brooks made it. And it's yeah. like, Mm, check the resume, man, you know, and they're pulling up like a, a handful of stats. Uh, oh, well, his defensive rating was this, and he only had this this many steals and this many blocks. And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. Like you look at his defensive rating, it doesn't look that great, but look who he's matched up against. He's matched up against the best wing player on the opposite team every single night. And if they don't have a dominant wing scorer, then he's matched up on their best player. Like he he was guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs last year and doing a good job of it. He was guarding Anthony Davis in the playoffs this year, and you're not slowing Anthony Davis down being that small, but he was the best defender against Anthony Davis for the Grizzlies. And so he, he doesn't get a lot of flowers. A lot of people hate him because of the mainstream media. Well, 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 he did a great job of making people hate. I think that's what he wanted. Well, so I, I feel like I feel like that's super calculated because right, I, agree. I agree. Look look at the look at the timing and when he was doing that. John Morant had been dealing with a lot of the off court stuff mm. and that there was a lot of hate, a lot of stuff coming at him. And so then I felt like Dylan being the veteran on the team is like, okay, I'm going to say something crazy so I can draw the attention to me. And there was definitely a disconnect. If you watched any of the videos from the end of season media availability, um, self-inflicted was a a term that was used a number of different times and just kind of some unneeded press. And so Dylan Brooks, the things that he said – some of the comments that he made and just like his body language in general, you could tell that there was something between the front office and him that wasn't clicking where maybe even the coaching staff as well. So I I think that that's, I I like Dylan Brooks. I think that with him gone, if you replace him with somebody that's on the roster or with a rookie that this defense, the the Grizzlies defense is really going to struggle um, and, and I think a lot of people don't recognize that because you see you know, what, what he was able to do. Like he made Steph work. He made these guys that easily dropped 35 points. They may get there against him, 
but it's going to take them 24, 25, 26 shots as opposed to doing it on 15 against other guys. And that's something if you wanted to hate Dylan Brooks, he made plenty of plays on the floor to, to make that viable. And he made plenty of comments to make that viable. (laughs) But if you understand the game, you know what he brought to the game and that's going to be a big hole to fill for the Grizzlies. For sure. For sure. But so out of the three, you don't, you're leaning towards Zaire, hoping he continues to develop. Sure. Now we're going to yeah. talk about five prospects in this draft episode that we're going to do. And it's kind of going to allude to my next point. A guy around that range is going to be Imani Bates. He could fill yeah. that role. He's a dynamic player, um, but probably one of the most controversial players in this draft because of his off the court the situation. Y'all might lean yeah. away from him because of that. But what do you feel about Imani Bates in his game? So, like, I, I'm going to be – I'm probably higher on Imani Bates than anybody else because I remember a couple years ago – Hold on, and, wait, time out. I got him 16. That's fine. What, you got like, him he, he's been – he has <laughs> been the top of this class all throughout high school. Yeah. Like, AAU ball. The, he went to Memphis to play for Penny Hardaway. Love Penny Hardaway. But here's the deal – when he was in Memphis, he was not playing his natural position. Penny Hardaway wanted to make Bates a point guard because of his size, because of his athleticism, his ability to shoot. He wanted to develop his game, and he knew that if he was able to do that, that that was going to make Imani unstoppable at the next level. True. If you watched him at Eastern Michigan, he's a bucket getter. That's what he can do. Like, are there times when he checked out at Eastern Michigan? Yeah. But point to me, any of these draft prospects from one to 60 point, any of them that you didn't see them take at least, at least a couple plays off. It happens. And so you will not convince me that Amani Bates goes from being top of this class for years. There was what I started to say earlier, there was a mainstream media guy he was talking about who's going to win the championship over the next five years. And he named off a couple teams. And his last comment was whoever drafts Amani Bates. Mm. And, and I, I, I was going to say it's, it was Mark Stein that said that, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And, and I didn't go back to look it up before the show. I apologize. I was trying to get some work stuff done and got hung up, but the talent is there from him. He went to he went to Memphis. It was not a great fit. What they tried to do did not work. And so it was kind of a bad look for him because he goes back to Eastern Michigan and it's like, nah. But he, he's top five talent easily in this draft. And if we're talking, I think Scoot, Wibinyama, and that may be it for me as far as guys that I'm confident could have a good NBA career. I think Amani Bates is going to be one of the best five players in this draft class in less than three years. Wow. Now that's the, that's the breaking news right there. I mean, but I agree with you that he has one of the highest potentials to be a star in this class. So that is a great point. I have not heard anyone say top five, but he definitely is talented enough to be in that top five. So that's, and and a lot of people are talking. ESPN has him ranked in the fifties. That was insane yeah, to me. 
He's like, not he's not gonna drop that far, dude. It's not possible. He's he's six foot ten. He can handle the ball. He needs to get some muscle. But look at his age. Like as you get older, you get in the NBA. Not everybody is scoot, right? You look at Scoot at 19, and it's like this dude is a grown ass man already, and he's got an NBA body. That doesn't happen for every 19 year old. Not everybody's going to develop in that manner. So, like that, that's something that he he's the outlier. So, a guy with the frame of Amani Bates. You look at Brandon Ingram. He came in the league about that same size. He was still able to get buckets. Brandon Ingram has developed his game since being in the league to being one of the better players in the league. Kevin Durant guy that could go out and get buckets as he got stronger. Durant is one of the best players to ever lace him up. So like that frame can lead to success, whether he puts it together at the NBA level or not, there's always that question. You never know. There's no guarantee. We have seen plenty of number one picks that did not pan out in the NBA. We've seen plenty of first round picks that not did not pan out in the NBA, but Amani Bates can get buckets and guys that can get buckets will stay in the league. Facts, facts. Yeah. I, I, I really don't like that. You are agreeing with me on this so much. So you know, I don't know what to do with myself, right? <laughs> yeah, Sorry. We can say. agree on something, man. It's, <laughs> it's crazy because like, I, I don't have my notebook here beside me, but I was listening to your show the other day and you started talking about Scoot and I'm like, dude, there's no way that Will and I have the same take on Scoot. There, there's no way. And then you're going through and you're like, you get to number three and you're like, this is going to be the biggest shocker. And I'm like, okay, is he moving somebody up here that I haven't heard? Like what, what's he? And then you said women, and I'm like, gosh, dang it. We do. We got the same take and it's very similar. I don't know if it's for the same reasons, but uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. We, we disagree on enough stuff. It's all right, right, right that we agree on a couple of things. It's nice to agree. And so alluded to the man you just named himself, Scoot Henderson. Let's get right into him. The dynamic, incredible electric point guard. You know, you kind of alluded to that. I think he's number one. You seem to be I, feeling the same. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That the, the more that I watch on him, there are things that he does in the pick and roll that there are guys that have been in the league for years that still do not have that level of vision, do not have that level of execution. If you don't play him properly in the pick and roll, he's going to score on you. And if you do defend him well, he can thread the needle to the roller and get them easy buckets. So if you pair him up with a guy, say you pair him up in a pick and roll with a guy like Anthony Davis, like a high IQ big man that can play the pick and roll really well, it's going to be deadly. And obviously, Scoot's going to go near the top of the draft. So, you know, we don't know who he's going to be paired up with just yet. But his game right now is going to translate at the NBA level, the pick and roll execution, the NBA runs a lot of pick and roll. He's going to be able to do that. He's going to be able to do that at a high level. And then on top of that, I mentioned earlier him being kind of ahead of his years in body development, like the, the amount of strength that he has and the ability to absorb that contact and finish through it, that that is an NBA player. He uh, he's my favorite for rookie of the year. I know Wibinyama is going to get a ton of hype, but I, I just feel like 
what Scoot is going to be able to do is going to surpass what Wibanyama does year one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I don't think there's any point guard in the NBA currently that has a body as, you know, ready for the NBA as him. And he's 19. It's crazy. And, you know, a lot of people make a lot of fuss about his three-point percentage. But I think people have to remember in the G League, you're shooting at the NBA three-point line. In college, it's a little bit closer in. So you have to factor that in as well. If you can say there's a negative about his game, it's just shooting, and that's easily improvable. His but, shot's not broken. He's he's good in the mid range, like, and that's one of the things uh, Isaac and I were talking about this other night. If he's playing against a drop big man, he is going to destroy drop covers in the NBA because that twelve to eighteen foot range for him is almost automatic. And that's something like you see guys, Amen Thompson, let's say you had him too. And the reason that I would not have him that high on my board is because he doesn't have that mid range. Amen Thompson's stupid freak athlete, six foot seven guard skills, a lot of pluses. He's definitely a top five guy. But if you say, okay, do you want Amen or do you want Scoot? It's not even close. Even like just, Scoot's mid-range is so much better than Thompson. Thompson shot like, and and to me, Amen Thompson, his form looks clunky right now. Like he has, he has some work that he has to do to get there and he could absolutely do it. There are plenty of guys that have come to the NBA and struggled early on and then figured it out and became elite shooters. Kimball Walker is a guy that I always go to when he came out of school he was a high volume, crappy three point shooter. And by the end of his career, he was deadly from three. So you can get that development. And if Amen Thompson develops that jump shot because of that size and the strength and his, like his ability to switch defensively, like he's going to be an extremely valuable piece. But I just, I've seen enough guys that come in that don't have that mid range, that don't have that jump shot that it doesn't Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, (laughs) you know, like he, what, what he was doing in college, what he was doing early in his career, great things, but then the NBA adjusted to him and now he doesn't have that jump shot. What's he doing? You know, and I know some of that is injury lately, but you can be an athletic guard with a high IQ, be able to pass the ball, have a lot of the tools that Amen Thompson has without that jumper. And the NBA will be like, I dare you to shoot. Look what they were doing to Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks couldn't throw a rock in the ocean in the playoffs. And the Lakers were begging that dude to shoot. And Dylan Brooks does not lack confidence. So he's going to shoot the ball. And that's exactly what the Lakers wanted. Worked out well. They won the series. Yeah, I think you make some great points there. I think it's going to be about confidence. And I think, at least for now, amen, you know, as as dynamic as he plays, I think his confidence will be there. You know, he kind of reminds me of Josh Giddy. Because I didn't think he would succeed because of his lack of offensive game as far as shooting and everything. And he's just done wonders for OKC. So I think Amen is like Josh Giddy times 100, basically, with his athleticism. So, you know, it could go either way. If the confidence is not there, it could be Ben Simmons. Like, if it is, it could be all-star worthy. So we'll just have to see. But speaking on that note, we can transition right into his brother, another 
player of hot the topic discussion right now. Me and you finally do agree disagree on something major. Yeah. Right there. You love his yeah. game. I'm a little less convinced. So go ahead and convince me. Man, but, between between the brothers, like it shocked me that you had Amen so high and had his brother so far down because th- there are things that Amen definitely does, but athleticism, Amen's vertical is 40 inch as yours uh vertical is 38 inch. So not not a huge both of those guys are crazy freak athletes. Azure's jump shot is better, his percentages are better, his form looks better, the stroke is smoother. And he's a guy that can guard one through four. You know, right now coming in the league, there's going to be some fours that would bully ball him, but I would be fine if he's out there on the floor because of his defensive ability. And I think that his shot is good enough right now in a limited role. Typically what you see from a rookie, unless they just go to an absolutely garbage team, they're not relied upon on, on, on the offensive end. So it would give him time to develop that shot even more. And his shot is far better than his brother's right now. And he, and he still has some of the playmaking tools. Like obviously a man's not ranked above him for no reason because of the athleticism, the vision, his ability to pass the ball. But Azure is, has shown very similar attributes on the floor to his brother with a better shot. It's possible, you know, um, his three-point percentage is 30. His brother was 25. But I still think he's raw offensively. You know, I think it will help a man that he has been playing point guard pretty much mm-hmm. his whole career. So even if you can't shoot as well, he can get to the rag and distribute. If you're coming in as a shooting guard, it's kind of like you're going to have to fit in a certain spot. You know, you're not going to be able to create for yourself as much. And I really think I saw it's going to depend on what team he goes to. He could flourish if he goes to the right team. If he goes to the wrong team, I think he could get lost in the shuffle. But you have him in the top five? Because um, I think you Yeah, I think play. I think if, you, if you're going to have a man top five, you got to have him right there too. Like, And that is, after kind of talking to you a little bit, I get where you see kind of the separation. You know, you and I have had, had conversations off air of where you feel like, um, a man can be franchise changing player and Azura is just going to be more of a um, maybe a, a high level or elite role player type. And if you're taking a lottery player, you want to take that superstar swing upside. But I, I think that because the, the tools are so similar, the same frame, like it one is like six seven one ninety five. Amen six seven one ninety five. Azura is six seven two oh five. Like that, there are not a ton of differences in the frame from these guys, and they're they're not they're not the same player. So I'm not on here trying to convince you oh that they're the same player, because when you watch the film from these guys, you can see the differences in their game, but. At the next level, being able to shoot the ball is going to be something that's extremely important. And I think that that is somewhere that A-Man is, is behind. And he, he's going to have some catching up to do. I don't have a problem with a team taking him in the top five because of that elite athleticism, his vision, his ability. Like live dribble passing is something I think that gets overlooked a lot. But there are a lot of guys that, are not good live dribble passers and turn the ball over a lot because of that. 
and both of these guys are really good live dribble passers. Eamon Thompson is probably the best live dribble passer in this draft. Okay. Okay. Good. All good points. All good points. And that's why I have you on the show. This is David Williams. Tell your Twitter one more time before we get into the next. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even, yeah. I talked about the show. I didn't talk. I'm at <laughs> NBA, NBA D Will 2 1. Yep. Yeah, NBA DWIL 2 1. Yep. You can see all the knowledge he's filled with and, you know, it's host of the Sports Ethos Grizzlies. And we got two prospects left to talk about. This is a guy that's rarely talked about, but one of my favorite prospects. I thought he could have came out last year. Marcus Sasser, underrated point guard from Houston, incredible player, but he's a senior. You know how these draft critics are about seniors. How do you feel about Marcus Sasser? And I, you already know how I feel about Sasser. Yeah, he is a guy <laughs> like that. That's what kills me when you look at, we, we were talking about the guys that would be available at, at 25 Jalen Wilson, six, eight with, with the tools that he has. If he was 19 years old, right. He he'd be a top 10 prospect because he's a junior because he's a junior, he's further down the board. And it's, it's, I don't know, man. I, just because a kid is 19 years old doesn't mean that you're going to get him in there and get him developed fast enough that he's going to bring you the things that you expect. When this kid is a junior, he's played three years of college ball. He's going to be more NBA ready. And it's, I I don't even have his age up. What is it? Wilson is, do you know how old he is, Will? Wilson? Yeah, Jalen Wilson. Yeah, he's 22. So 22, 22 versus 19. The average retirement age for the NBA is north of 36 years old. At 22, you're getting 14 years out of a guy. If you get a guy that can come into the league and have a 14-year career in the late lottery or middle part of the first round, that's a win. And and it it just it blows my mind. I think that you look at what the Grizzlies have done. Look at Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain. All of those guys were older guys that the Uh Grizzlies went out and drafted and they've got to the league and they've been able to play. And that is a large part as to why the Grizzlies have been a playoff team over the last few years, because they're drafting older guys. They take a swing with Zaire Williams. You see him at the end of his rookie season kind of be, okay, this is what we were hoping for. And then he has a huge regression this year. Some of that was injuries, but that's what you get. Like with a 19 year old, you go back and you look at some of the guys uh, Jermaine O'Neal is a guy that came into the league straight out of high school and he was garbage in Portland. He gets moved to Indiana and he turns into an all-star. You know, he, he plays on the, the, the teams in Indiana that probably win a title if Michael Jordan in the NBA, you know, so you never know how long it's going to take for a guy to develop and Marcus Sasser is a guy that is further down his size kind of, you can hold that against him a little bit at, you know, six, six, two. I've seen different measurements on him, but I think six, two is probably right. Wouldn't you say? Cause yeah, I've seen we'll, six, we'll, six, three. We'll a lot of the teams fudge numbers. Anyway, we'll know for sure at the combine, 
But yeah, yeah. it's two right now. Yeah, but but you just look at the the thing that I like about Sasser on that Houston team. You saw him with the ball in his hand a lot. He made smart plays, man. He didn't turn the ball over much. He's able to shoot the ball well from three, 38% three-point shooter. And I, I agree with you. He could have came out last year. He's probably further down in the draft last year than he is this year if he comes out. But he could have came out last year ready to play and contributed year one. And, and he's another guy. The The size kind of puts me off on him a little bit because you don't want to uh, – like John Moran is not a big guard and you don't – I wouldn't necessarily want to see Sasser and Moran out there at the same time because I think that would be kind of tough defensively for the Grizzlies. But I also, if they happen to move on from Tyus Jones and they maintain that that pick number 25 and he's there, I'm not mad at it. What's about Tyus Jones? Is he even six foot? Uh, Jones is six two, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's yeah, he, he's north of six foot, but he's not a he's not a big guard by any right. means. And, and Jones is a good defender, and, and I think that Sasser is probably going to be a better defender right out of the gate than Morant is, even though Morant kind of you saw him give a little more effort last year, but he's just not. He's not a great defender. There's no two ways about that. He's just not. That's the weakest part of his game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, that's that's a good point. Good point. I was gonna say something about Sasser, and I it just slipped my mind. <laughs> but we can move on to the next process. But yeah, um, don't be greedy, okay? You can't have all these guys in Memphis, all right? I, I know I can't, man. And I told <laughs> I told you at the beginning of the show if they don't draft anybody, I'm gonna be happy because that means that they move the pick to try and upgrade the roster. So right. there are there are plenty of teams out there that are kind of semi rebuilding. They got some pieces that I would love to see the Grizzlies go after. Cam Johnson in Brooklyn, um, Dorian Finney-Smith in Brooklyn, Royce O'Neal in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, you know, like Brooklyn has a lot of – if the Grizzlies can make a move to get any combination of two of those three guys, I would be happy. That Like I would – because that's what they need. They need guys that can play defense and know that they're a role player. Like oh, that, that's what they. Oh, so, so Dylan Brooks. That's what she, <laughs> no, D- Dylan Brooks doesn't know that he's a role. That's player. true. That's true. He doesn't. And like so, at the end in the end of season media availability, one of the comments that he made, dude, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there in the room, <laughs> and he's like, uh, somebody asked him about him struggling in the playoffs, and he's like, yeah, I was kind of hoping that they would uh, run a few sets for me so I could get a rhythm because I just couldn't get anything going. But you know, it wasn't in the cards for our team. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> bro, you took 15 shots a game. Oh man. And you shot like 12%. Like they didn't need to run anything for you. <laughs> and that, that's yeah. irrational confidence. That's what they say. It is. I, I remember what I was gonna say now. Uh, about Sasha being 22 and some of the guys being 19, you know, you can draft a 19-year-old. And by the time they are good enough to contribute, they could be on the next contract on the next team. So mm-hmm. you're really wasting three years sometimes with a developmental player when you have a 22-year-old ready to go. So a lot of people think that age is a bad thing. But I think the perfect example is Bain, like you talked about. He came in pretty much ready to go. You can be yeah. drafting a prospect and never even get to experience the good parts of their career. 
<clears throat> but so now let's go to the final prospect, Leonard Miller, one of my favorites, G League Ignite, rising star, 19 years old, can do it all with great size, great height. What do you think about Leonard Miller? The hold on, we're we're gonna do this entire show and not really talk about Victor. We're just gonna say we we well, both look, you like we five like guys. You wanted to hit on, so we, we could touch no, no, on. I just, I, yeah, <laughs> I I just kind of mentioned you asked me if there were some guys. So so Leonard Miller was a guy that he, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but he was getting some buzz last year. Yeah, but it was more than likely going to be second round, and so he decides not to not to declare or kind of withdraws his name from the draft and he goes back and, and he plays and done himself some good. Like, you know, he, he's, he's going in the first round because of that size. Like th- there's a lot of stuff that he brings to the floor that any NBA team needs. It, it's all about, okay, is Leonard Miller going to accept a role? Like what, what is Leonard Miller's job going to be at the next level? And at six ten, you're like, okay what what's happening is he going to be a big is he going to be a wing and i I don't i think right now it could kind of go either way that like would you agree with that like because of the stuff that i've watched with him his foot speed his lateral movement i think that he can guard multiple positions right off the bat yeah um you know i think it's going to kind of be matchup dependent right it's going to be um who who who's he matched up against at 18 11 it's like 16 okay 18 11 for the G League all right he's a big but th- this kid can move his feet and so yeah again that that's like the grizzlies lack front court depth and, and that's one of the reasons that I kind of looked at him uh Aldama just needs to get stronger he was terrible in the playoffs he kind of came around a little bit late but it was too little too late um, and, and I'm concerned because I don't know what they're going to do there in the, the postseason media availability. There were questions about that. And it really seemed to me like they were going to keep it internal. You know, they, they converted Kenneth Lofton jr. To a primary contract on the, on the roster should have happened a long time ago. There are politics involved in basketball. There are politics involved in life. And the reason that he was on that two way for as long as he was was simply politics. That's all it was. Because he was undrafted. Yeah, that that's it, man. Like you, there's no way in the beginning of the season as bad as David Roddy was playing early on that you can tell me David Roddy brought more to this team than what Kenneth Lofton Jr. could have. You, you won't convince me of it. It it's not the truth. Kenneth Lofton Jr. was down there destroying folks in the G League. David Roddy was up here looking like he should be in the G league and it panned out. Roddy ended up playing some playoff minutes, some meaningful playoff minutes for the Grizzlies. But the only reason that Roddy was still up here and not in the G league and um, Kenneth Lofton jr. Was in the G league instead of being on the main roster is because Lofton jr. Was undrafted and David Roddy was a first round pick. So they had this time, they have this or not time, they have this money invested in Roddy. And so he's going to be up on the main roster. But yeah, I I like Leonard Miller. I really do I didn't prepare a whole lot. Like I don't have a lot of notes on on Miller. Like I've watched film on him and I really like his game and what he's, you know, what he's able to do. 
But um, I, I figured that we were talking about Victor. Like I, I listed a few guys, and I think Miller was the last one that I sent you. So yeah. I, I'm a little unprepared, and I apologize. I hate that because typically I try. Well, to we're gonna hit the show, guys. All right, now. <laughs> yeah. Send, send me. Don't invite me back. I'm not ready. <laughs> no, but I do love Leonard Miller. You know, um, I, I can't wait for the results of the lottery to come in. That'll be next week. And that's going to determine a lot of things. And we're going to see where we can slot guys and all that good stuff. But if you want to talk about the most popular player in the draft, come on, let's do it. Save the best for last. Victor Wimbayama, the Frenchman. Let's go. <laughs> so I, you'll have to remind me, what is what was your reason for having him third? What are your concerns for him? All right. There's a lot of concerns. First of all, he... There's no one to compare him to except for Bo Bo, probably. Um, when I watched the tape of him, I saw images of Yao Ming. Now, obviously, Yao Ming was a post player. Victor can do a little bit of post, a little bit of uh, wing. But, um, you know, that worked pretty well, but he ended his career with a foot injury. So, Bo Bo, full of injuries with the foot. You know, he's back now, but he's playing limited minutes, 20, 25 minutes per game. Is Victor going to be in that situation where he's going to have to play limited minutes to be protected? Or, like, I think it's highly unlikely he's just come come out the gates and be able to play 35 minutes a game at that frame. I don't think someone's body, 7'5", 220 pounds, is meant for running up and down the court like a guard. Um there's other things, but that's the main thing. Yeah, in- injuries are not a concern for me. He's he's playing north of 30 minutes where he's at right now. By the time they finish the playoffs and everything, he's going to be right around, I had it written down, but I think it's close to the 50-game mark. I understand 50 games, are that that's not 82, and I understand that the league that he's in is not the NBA, but I just – there are, there have been bigs that I've been concerned with injuries, but I couldn't find anything like rolled ankle stuff. Like I haven't seen a big injury from him. If you go back and you look and try to find injuries, like his stuff has all been minor. So the injuries are not what concerns me. What concerns me is people see this size and they see these shots and they see, Oh, he's doing this and he's doing that but they don't want to talk about the fact that he's not a guard. He's averaging almost three turnovers a game. And the fact that he's making some very, very poor decisions to make those three turnovers a game, you go and you watch film of him. And, and I'm not talking about highlights because you're not going to see this stuff in the highlights, but if you go, you can find full game clips uh, of women Yama playing and you can see him making passes that are ill-advised some of that is youth and he will grow out of that. But I think that you see a seven foot three guy shooting a, a 27, 28 foot three and knocking it down. It's like, Oh, he's going to be a knockdown shooter. Uh, bro shooting 28%. Like right. it, it, there are a lot of tools. He, he moves his feet way better than almost anybody. His size. I would say a good comparison, honestly, like is Kristoff. I think that that's a good comparison for him because Kristaps moves his feet very well for a guy that size. I think Wimbanyama does the same. Um, he can handle the ball very well for a guy his size. 
is that going to translate into the NBA? Is his handle going to be tied enough for the NBA? That I don't know. That That's something the level of defenders he's going to play against are going to be better. The schemes that he's going to face are going to be better. There are going to be things that are adjusted to make him work harder at the NBA level. And so, you know, like, it drives me nuts. I, I've listened to a lot of people talk about Wibanyama, and they always want to gas him up. Like, oh, he's got this and he's got that. But when you go and you talk about the negative on him, they give you pushback on it. And it's like, man, if you're going to only evaluate a prospect based on the things that they're doing good, you're not doing your job right. Yeah. Like you're you're not giving a proper evaluation. Like right. if you want to talk about the eight foot wingspan and the fact that he can block you from the three point line when you're at the basket. Cause he's so freaking long. Like that's a huge plus. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Like he, he moves his feet. Well, he gets beat on the defensive end, but because of that length, yeah. he can make up for it. And so is a half second speed difference in the NBA going to cause him to miss those blocks or is he going to be able to adapt to it? And because of his athleticism, because of what he can do, I think that you will see him adapt to it. But I just don't know that it's going to be something straight out of the gate. You're going to see him come out like guns blazing, dominating people, like what the majority of people that are are talking about women Yama are expecting. Yeah, I mean, you saw Scoot Henderson uh, have his way with him in the game they played. You know, that was like the first real NBA type of talent, and Scoot didn't really have any problems with him. Um, but, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, you know, you're not – if you're a, a coach, you don't want Wibanyama switching on a guard. Like, he moves oh, yeah, his definitely. feet well. <laughs> he moves his feet well. But Scoot is faster than probably 90% of the guards in the league right now. That's true. And so, I, like – yeah, that's kind of a fair because he's we know that Scoot is NBA talent, but also there's only a handful of people in the NBA that have the kind of speed and the handle that Scoot has. So it's not like Victor's going to get switched on one of those guys every night because there's not one of those guys on every team. That's very true. But as far as injuries with Wimby, he has already suffered some injuries that don't get talked about. He suffered a fibula stress fracture, a scapula contusion, an issue affecting a muscle in his back as well. I think one of the years he missed a year, but it wasn't this year or last year. So that stuff doesn't get talked about. Um, and like, clearly it's not a concern right now, but you know, things will happen, can happen, won't happen. I hope he doesn't get injured. I hope he has a Tim Duncan type of career, but you named a lot of the risks that I have for him and worries. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, if he's going to be a big, he had trouble backing down guys in the international league. So that's going to be even tougher in the NBA, obviously. Um, you know, like you mentioned with the handle, you're, he's not going to be playing around out there with the ball like that in the NBA. I mean, try that against Pat Bev one time. <laughs> you're going to see what's going to yeah. happen. So, I mean, I think he's going to have to go to the right situation as well. It seemed like when he was playing, internationally a lot of times he's just out there trying stuff to prepare for the NBA to see what he can do and he has the liberty to do that because I mean he's the man over there but when you get to the NBA you're going to have to step it up show and prove run plays and fit in Uh, and if he does that and stays healthy he can be an all-star type of player but I think they're setting him up for failure talking about he's the best prospect since or he's better than LeBron coming out like 
that's just that's just you don't say that about people. Yeah, I mean that that's really tough to say, but I think that based off of what he can do on the floor, it's one of those things with what you see already and what typically happens cuz Wibanyama is what is he he's not 20 yet is he? he's 19. I got his age right. So yeah, he, he's yeah, he's not he's going to be for half of next season, he's still going to be 19 years old. He won't turn 20 till, till the middle part of his first season in the NBA. And you watch, like guys don't hit their prime until, you know, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, what he's doing now is already at an extremely high level. If he stays healthy and he puts all of this together and we get to his prime, I can see the argument where it's like, okay, this kid could possibly be one of the best players to ever do it because of the tools that he has. But there's a lot of miles between now and then. There's a lot of time between now and then. And there's a lot of ifs between now and then. We, You know, the the speed of the game, there's a lot of things that can change for him. So I I, I love him. I love what he's able to do and the tools that he has. But I just think that a lot of times folks get overhyped, and it's one of those things. Um, Chet got a lot of praise last year. I know that you were not exactly a huge fan of, of Chet, and and that's okay. Like you know, look, year one, Chet gets a, a season-ending injury, or was that the Vibin, uh, the Wibinyama tank? Can you like? I'm going to back up just a Can you imagine if OKC wins this lottery and they end up oh with Wibin Yama? Oh, my God. Like, what, the length that they could run out there at one time? That would be crazy. It'd be stupid. Like, you run – Shea would be your smallest player. Shea, Giddy, yeah. Poku, Chet, and Wibin Yama. Poku like, is going to be off the team. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might. I'm just throwing it oh, out yeah. there for length, though, man. Yeah. Like, yeah it would just be dumb. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I appreciate you having me on, man. Like, I, I like Wibinyama, and me saying that I would take Scoot over Wibinyama is not necessarily a knock on Wibinyama. I'm just that confident that Scoot is going to be an all-star or better type player. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, that's how you know you're an unbiased uh, recruiter scouter because last year, even before this season started, you know, you were bigging me up on, I mean, you know, talking me up about Chet, but you were like, man, when you see Wimbenyama, it's like he is incredible. He's gonna be the number one. And like now that you came into it, you're like, you're not just sticking with that. You know, you're you're saying, okay, Scoot is incredible. So I'm gonna put him one, Victor two. And I mean you have to change. You can't just stick on something if you, some, things change. They're fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that any other draft here like the three previous years and probably for three years after if Scoot was a part of those draft classes that he'd go number one, hands down. And that's, you know, there's talks that he may not go number two. And and I think a lot of that would depend on, on who lands the number two pick. But I will say this, if you have the number two pick and you go somewhere other than Scoot, I think that you're making a mistake. I agree. I agree. Yeah, well, I think we uh, just about covered everything. Uh, <laughs> that's the talk on Victor Wimbayama. It's going to be interesting, like I said, to see who's going to get the first pick. And But you guys are locked in at 25. 
Yeah. Yep. So, you, so we're going to be waiting to see what my squad, the Hornets, do and see if we get the top pick or not. Um, but yeah, I, we probably would pass on Scoot, wouldn't we? If we had the number two, I don't know. Would he play with LaMelo? That would be tough. Tough to yeah. pass up. Yeah. I mean, it's so what do you do? Like, if you, yeah. so what are you going to, you know, you have Amen as your number two. Are you taking Amen? Because, like, Amen can't shoot. You can't play Lamelo and Amen together. So then, what do you do? Do you go Brandon Miller? You got well, you're uh, saying, Cam, well, we, Cam if we Whitmore. Have this, if we have the second pick, we're taking yeah, Scoot or Wimby. Wait, you it won't be or Wimby. Wimby's going number one. There's no way he doesn't go number okay, one. Okay, okay. <laughs> like he, so we would just take Scoot if we had number two. But if we had number three, I think we go Brandon Miller. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, when the when the lottery is issued, you're gonna see Victor Wembanyama more than likely number one on my board if a team already has a point guard. So I'm not just gonna stick to my big board. I'm gonna still try to make it fit. You know what I mean? So if the Hornets get the first pick, I'm gonna mock them Victor Wembanyama. So it's fluid. We'll see. I think big board versus mock drafts is different, right? Like yeah. big board is. Like talent wise, where do I think this player ranks? Exactly. Versus a mock draft is what do I think that these guys are going to do? Right. And so for me, even when we find out what the lottery is, I still think I'm still confident that Scoot is going to have the type of career where he's going to be a franchise changing player. And so I still like him first, but I don't think that there's any way that anybody doesn't take Wibanyama one. Yeah, because they'll they'll be scared. They'll be scared to not do it. So and but you know, Victor and there's some other French players that are gonna be playing as the draft is happening. So, you know, they're gonna be in their championship and everything, as long as they keep winning. So that's gonna be interesting as well. Everyone else's season is over. So there still is potential for injury or anything like that. Hopefully not, but they are still playing right now. Sam Bowie, Greg Oden, you get Sam Bowie before Jordan, Greg Oden before Kevin Durant. Just because a guy's got a whole lot of hype doesn't mean that he's going to be better. You said it, not me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're right there together on that. But we're hoping that it all works out for everyone. Everyone in this class stays healthy, including Derek Whitehead. I'm just going to throw this in there. He's going to have foot surgery, unfortunately, yeah. very high on him, but he'll be ready for the season. So, Thank you yeah. once again. Go ahead. Because of that injury, he falls to 25. Come on to Memphis. I, hey, yeah. I'll take that talent. That'd be crazy talent yeah. at 25. Yeah. And it might happen, too. Yeah. It might happen. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me, David Williams. Tell him your Twitter, your show one more time before we get out of here. You got the Twitter right up there on the screen for him at NBA DWill21. <laughs> uh, I host the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. They, uh, the show is at Ethos Grizzlies. Find us anywhere you get uh, get podcasts: iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Spotify, anywhere. If you uh, if you want to listen to Grizzlies talk specifically in the off season, we are talking about guys that the Grizzlies are working out, but we're doing draft breakdowns. So come and check us out. We we appreciate anybody that uh, that spends times with spends time with us, even though I can't talk all the time. And it's a great show, you know. He, I think they just announced that you guys are the second ranked show in the whole Sports Ethos Net. So get those numbers up for Sports Ethos Grizzlies. Follow me, of course. Subscribe, comment, the All Rookie Podcast. You got anything before we get out of here? That's it, man.
All right, I'll see you on your show next time. We out of here. Peace.